8,000 KSOO. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we will spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation. Oh, yeah, on local, state, and national news and politics. We're going to throw in a little recreation, transportation, conversation. But uh, I hope you brought your local news cap today because that's where we're going to hover. That's where we're going to stick. That's where we're going to play our game today in the local happenings. And, uh, you know, we've got a fair amount going on. There's, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's controversial, but it's high level, high level discussions that are happening in our fair city today and yesterday and recently. And we will talk about those and what's going to happen going forward. Of course, Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us as always holding down the news and weather pod and uh, keeping you up to date out there on the social medias, including our Twitter feed at P Lally show. That's where you're going to want to follow us at P Lally show, P L A L L E Y show. And uh, of course we're on Facebook live right now where people are chatting. I like to say howdy to everybody who out there, who's out there when they pop in and out. So you can see the between segment banter when there's banter to be had, then there's banter. Uh, also, if you're out driving around or sitting by a transistor somewhere, you're listening to Information 1000 KSOO, we thank you for that, as well as the KSOO mobile app. you got to have that for the one-touch streaming. And all our friends out there in Internet land across the country and around the globe on KSOO.com. We know you're out there, and we appreciate you listening today. Um, I had mentioned this uh, a few days ago, but uh, I have more details now on the... Uh, this uh, let's call it an experiment, an experiment in in entertainment, largely uh, surrounding city council meetings. If you can make entertainment surrounding city council city council meetings, we're going to do our best, and that is it's called public input, and uh, we're going to hold it at Club David, starting this Tuesday, six thirty. 6.30, we, we start getting ready, firing up the crowd for uh, the, the broadcast, the live broadcast of the city council meeting. And so we are, uh, uh, it's going to be me. I'm going to be sort of the moderator. I'm hosting, Dan, because that's what I do. I host. You are the person who will kickstart everything. Yes. I, will, I, will, I will moderate the discussion. I will host the discussion. And on, on my left, this, that's not really fair. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to say on my left will be Scott Erisman, friend of the show, blogger at SouthDakota.com. On my right will be former disgruntled city commissioner, or it's disgruntled former city commissioner, Matt Staub. Yes, because he is still disgruntled. He is not formally disgruntled by any means. He remains completely disgruntled and completely former. Uh, city commissioner. And uh, of course, you put those two guys together, both of whom are regular guests on this program whenever they can be here. Uh, and that's that's an, an evening of, of lively entertainment. Uh, there is a Facebook event out there that I've shared. Now, we're going to try this on Tuesday. We'll see how it goes. We, we, we're planning to do it through August, the meetings in August, and uh, sort of get ramped up. But there will be, uh, I, there might be a, like a Facebook live event on that. I'm not sure. Um, this is a, this is a production of North End Productions, which is, turns out to be my brother, but that's fine. Uh, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time, uh, going way back years and years and years when that spot was like, uh, the American Legion, 
there at Club David on, on West 10th Street between Maine and Dakota. Because it's right across from Town Hall, see? And I'm thinking people, instead of sitting in the little antechamber there waiting for the council to get going, uh, you, can, you can come over to Club David, say howdy, hang out. There will be drink specials, themed, themed drink specials based on uh, your public officials. And we're still working on those. It's another way to be civically involved. Yeah, absolutely. And have fun. At the same time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now we don't we don't have people go get all liquored up and then go across the street. No, no, no. You come out, you hang out for a little bit. If you got something you got to take care of, you go over there. But then you, when you're done, say you have, say you're going to public input, right? You got something to say, and you go, you do your deal, and then you come back, or you come over to our place and you hang out. We watch it. Now there will be some rolling commentary on uh, the style and substance of the city council meeting. Ooh, I hope you will take the opportunity to roast in case that would be necessary for those who provide public input. Yeah. You come over and, hey, what was this? Yeah, what are you doing? Yes. Come on. Yes. Like uh, whenever somebody would come back from public input, if they come in, we'll razz them. For, you know, good-natured razzing. This is not mean-spirited at all. Uh, I mean, Scott, I can't speak for Scott, but I won't be mean spirited. This is the kind of the banter, the friendly banter that you get on the show here. If we're fans out there of MST3K, uh, the famed uh, cable uh, program that was uh, Joel Hodgson, comedian Joel Hodgson and the robots commenting on, on classic movies. This is much the same, only there are no robots and it's the city council. Now, if. Mr. Erisman, who is a frequent contributor to public input, yes. if he is involved in this particular endeavor, mm-hmm. is, is that going to curtail his abilities to provide public input? I really doubt it. I think he'll, he would just get up, go across the street, and come back. It's across the street. So it's a perfectly placed spot. There's parking, free public parking, right there at Town Hall. So, And we don't recommend, of course, that anybody uh, drinks and drives. That's not... We don't, this is a responsible organization. It's a, it's a moderate, we are moderating, but I I can tell you, we're coming up with the the drink specials. I don't have them all yet. So I'm taking, I'll take your, uh, uh, suggestions on the Twitter at P Lally show or on Facebook live. But I do know that we were thinking about the Teresa Staley is, is a a glass of water, no ice (laughs) because you know, she's frugal. She's a frugal person. So if you want to get that, Uh, um, the mayor, I'm thinking something more, a little more, you know, the mayor is a sharp dresser. He's a sharp guy. You know, he's a, he's, he's a, a refined gentleman. So perhaps a crisp white wine would be good for him. I, I'm not sure yet, though. I, maybe something with a more fuller body, perhaps a fuller body red, a calf salve of some sort. Um, you know, I was thinking for, uh, this, and this may not fly. I'll have to wait to see the feedback. Uh, the Christine Erickson. Uh, shot of tequila straight up just bam and you're into it i don't she may not like that though <laughs> but there'll be specials there'll be specials on these and uh we there'll be city council bingo that's a that's a crowd pleaser right there you know based on the agenda of that evening so you know some phrases will be used and so you'll have your card with city council bingo you can play along in the crowd there'll be prizes for that so but you then go. you also have to be very absolutely sure because if you do these games, mm-hmm. you have to have someone 
the arbiter. There's yeah. got to be someone who who is the administrator of the games. Yeah, and they have to pay exclusive attention. Yeah, I think that would probably be uh, my brother Kevin. He'll be there. So he's 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 the he's the, the the organizer behind this. I'm just the talent. So full disclosure, it's my brother. But we're it, it's free to get in, so we're not making any money off it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no cover. No cover. No cover. No minimum. Just like the old public uh, public broadcasting show. No cover, no minimum. Uh, and Tuesday night, 6.30, we kick off. I think the meeting starts at 7. So you start with your uh, obligatory. Uh, uh, there's the blessing and there's the uh, any of the uh, proclamations. And then you get right into public input, which public input, that's going to be the meat of it. You, you know it is. That's, that's going to be where most of the fun is had. But then, you know, there's always stuff on the, on the uh, agenda that's interesting. I approached right your your standard zoning conversation can can be done properly. And here's the other thing: both Scott and Matt have a wealth of knowledge in terms of uh, you know behind the scenes what's really going on. So that's where that's where the the real value of the no cover comes in because <laughs> you get what you pay for. But we're just gonna have fun. I look forward. I I've put it posted on my Facebook page, and we'll be talking about this a little more and. Uh, Look forward to seeing you all out there on Tuesday night. Club David across from Town Hall. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include, speaking of city councilors, I did. I purposely didn't uh, uh, speculate on um, the, the drink special for one Mr. Greg Neitzert, who is on the city council because he's coming in here today, and I'm just going to ask him what he thinks it should be. There's a lot to talk about in city government, and he'll be here in the second hour, 4 o'clock. Uh, I'm sure we'll hit the... Uh, parking ramp and hotel situation downtown. The smart cyclist Michael Christensen is our weird friend of the day, and I will have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the uh, PPP, public-private partnership, the village on the river, all that, a lot going on. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three twenty-one on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's time for the P&L Statement, and you know that because the Bodines are playing Closer to Free. And everybody needs a chance once in a while. That includes all of you good people out there. This is the time of the day when we look through the news and chat about things that uh, anger us, uh, inspire us, you know, get our, get our dander up, so to speak. And the big news lately around the best little city in America has been the mayor's uh, press conference yesterday where he talked about the uh, Village on the River project, the famed PPP, the private-public partnership, the largest in city history. And uh, so this bad boy is going to go forward, right? Uh, I have a story here from my friends at KSFY. City moving forward with downtown mixed-use parking. Of course, this was a parking ramp. Of course, this was uh, all the rage on all the medias yesterday and today. Uh, The lead here... On this fine story is the city is moving forward with a mixed-use parking ramp project downtown in Sioux Falls amid criticism. Mayor Paul Haken held a press conference Wednesday with the loan guarantor of the village on the river, Jeff Lamont, to, quote, clear the air on some items and provide an update. Um, So they've been uh, uh, 
as Tenekin said, in the first 70-some days of my administration, this has probably been a project that we have vetted and looked into and reviewed more than anything else in the mayor's office. Tenekin said he's not happy with how the project got underway without transparency, but says he's pleased with the status now. And uh, he has had some pointed words for um, a way the way this was uh, implemented. But uh, it's going forward. And my thoughts here are uh, I've I've said many times that I have been in favor of the project since its inception. However, it's run into a lot of problems. It's a good project, in my opinion. Uh, it's going to add badly needed parking space, more retail space, hotel rooms that we need to keep building on the momentum of downtown Sioux Falls as a destination point. Uh, I think people are right to question the cost of the parking ramp. And the degree of the city's investment, I, that's normal, that's good, that's fair. But I don't think it's a boondoggle either. Uh, even if the parking ramp per space is higher than average, uh, and we've talked about those numbers, I don't believe that it is precipitously high. There are associated costs with putting up the building of this magnitude uh, because of the partnership. Yes, it's a legitimate point, as Scott Erisman, friend of the program, and Teresa Staley have both suggested on the air here, that a parking ramp itself uh, wouldn't cost this much and that the hotel developer should bear the full cost and that we should only pay the cost of what a parking ramp would be. But I don't necessarily view it that way, even if the numbers bear that out. Uh, There's definitely a benefit to the city from the partnership beyond just getting uh, more parking spaces. That debate was had and decided. The philosophical issue of the inherent value of it is, in my mind, separate from the legitimate concerns about the involvement of legacy development, okay? And it's clear, it's clear that we were lied to, again, by the past administration, at least misled. The fact is, we only really know all of this because the Copper Lounge collapsed, completely separate project, but tied because we would not have learned any of these intertwinings of these companies without that collapse, We wouldn't have learned about the shell game going on in the background, and we never would have known about the lies. Now, the question becomes to me, who did know? Former Director of Community Development Darren Ketchum, he worked on this deal, right? And then immediately took a job with the people he worked on it with, Legacy Development. Former Mayor Mike Huther is famous for his micromanagement, right? Remember that? Who among us believes that he didn't know the financial intertwining of the people involved, that he wasn't deeply ingrained in the negotiations with Legacy on what is the largest public-private partnership in Sioux Falls history? Who among us does not believe that we were purposefully kept in the dark, if not straight out lied to, on this deal? Obfuscation, dodging, and, yes, Sioux Falls, even outright lying, were de rigueur, during Mike Huther's reign at City Hall. Now we know why. Mayor Paul Tenhaken is taking the correct path, moving forward with caution after careful review. We have no reason to doubt the integrity of Jeff Lamont, the builder and guarantor moving forward, but we've come out of a dark period for open government in our city. Let this be a lesson for us. The corruption and greed live in dark corners. That is the bottom line on today's P&L statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, patrick at kso.com. Also, Twitter is alive and kicking at P. Lally Show. Always love to hear from you, along with Facebook Live. We love the conversation. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's the smart smike, smart, that, that, the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen. Too many M's. 
We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we're rocking out here to the Beat Farmers. The smart cyclist Michael Christians and I rocking out because he is in studio on Thursdays, most Thursdays, for Weird Friends. Today is no exception. Hello. Anyway, let's get on with it, Michael. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Happy to be here. I appreciate it. Um, you know, when Michael's here, uh, we talk a lot. We talk. He's the smart cyclist, so we talk about cycling, urban. We do urban cycling. Uh, we talk about uh, uh, smart city planning. We tra- do transportation issues. We do. We talk about uh, uh, a lot of uh, some health and wellness. We do. We throw that in there. Uh, we don't talk about uh, uh, pedestrians that often, but the other day. I was riding uh, my bicycle down 33rd Street. Yes. Uh, and I noticed as I was passing Augustana College there, crossing through the Grange Avenue intersection, they got all kinds of crazy lines drawn over there, Michael. Got some stuff going on. Um, uh, that It looked vaguely European. What's going on over there? Two words. Pedestrian scramble. Woohoo! It's a pedestrian. What? Wait a minute. We got a scramble as pedestrians? Yes, and it's oh. not just for breakfast anymore. <laughs> Scrambled pedestrians with the side of ham. Um, so it's like a big X. What's the deal? So um, currently, um, walkers anywhere in the city would come up to an intersection and they'd press the little button that says that communicates to the traffic engineer that, hey, we'd like to cross this street. Will you give us permission? And then the tra- traffic engineer would s- would circulate the lights. So you'd stand there and you'd wait for your lights to go red. Mm-hmm. And then you'd wait for tra- crossing traffic to go. Mm-hmm. And then you'd wait for- and then you'd get your walk and you'd cross. Woohoo! And then if you still needed to cross again, you'd stand there and you'd wait. <laughs> and you'd press the button to ask the traffic engineer permission to cross. And, and finally, you'd get to cross, and you'd get across the street. Pedestrian scramble. You can cross any direction when you have the green light. So, so you can cross diagonal. Now, how, oh, wait a minute. First of all, yes, there's not really a guy sitting down at City Hall, the traffic engineer, waiting for you to push the button. Well, they figured out how to automate that. <laughs> but still, it is... Permission to cross, please, yeah. because I, the lights, the computer, you know, you're asking the computer to cycle the lights so that you can cross. And uh, just as a point of order, uh, <laughs> that makes it very difficult <laughs> if you're on a bike, because there are a few intersections out there where if you're in the right spot, it will, your bicycle will trigger the light, but yeah, painfully few of them. Painfully few of them, yeah. They're no longer marked. And motorcycles experience that too. They yeah, they do. And so you're stuck there. And I, I am philosophically opposed uh, about like rolling my bike over onto the sidewalk, pushing the button, going back. I'm not going to do that. No. Um, and a policeman would tell me to take a right, turn around, take a right, turn around. We, should, we should talk about that sometime. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've got good stuff. Uh, back to the pedestrian scramble. So you've got this. Uh, X basically you can go diagonally across the intersection. Yeah. But somebody's always got the green, right? Michael. Well, it's, it's either the drivers have the green or the pedestrians have the green now. Uh, so we're stopping traffic. All we, four directions. We, we as a city. Yes. We are stopping traffic in all four directions and opening up the intersection for people to cross in any direction. And then we're stopping all the pedestrian traffic 
and we're turning the lights green for the drivers again, and they can cross and do their normal intersection maneuvers. It's uh, uh it's going to make some people really mad. They'll be sitting yes, there, and they won't the be able is, to figure it out. But the thing is, you know, <laughs> you talk to a lot of people, and they're like, walking is just too hard in this city. I don't yeah. go outside because right. I don't want to, because I can't, as soon as I get to a busy street, it stinks to cross because yeah. I'm either going to get hit or I'm playing Frogger or, or whatever. And actually, that intersection is the fourth, yes, fourth most populous intersection for pedestrians in the city. It's 40, uh, 33rd and Grange Avenue, which is right, basically right between uh, the camp, main campus of Augustana College and their entire athletic facility. Right. So, yeah, most directly Augie Campus and Elman, Elman Center. And the and football so, field and the soccer field and the baseball, all that stuff. It's so huge up over to 3,000 pedestrians per day. Wow. That so is we know, we know, like, when, when last fall when the mayor changed the – uh, intersection at Minnesota and 10th, 11th, 10th and 11th to put up signs to make it easier to turn right because mm -hmm. the pedestrian count there was 300 per day. So this and is so 3,000. Given give some context there, 3,000 pedestrians, mostly students, obviously. And yeah, students them, matter too, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, this is a, this is a small step for pedestrian convenience and man as a city we want that because people aren't healthy because they're getting in their cars and driving because that's the easiest way and so give them a give those students a safe way to cross and some of them are going to use that and it's going to be a good experience for him them so uh do you know what the other the top three i don't know that ah! i was supposed to come up in pre-production and we didn't get it covered yeah, we didn't, and yeah. Um, I wonder what they are, because right. we could speculate they're probably not the busiest traffic intersection. It's not 41st and uh, Louise. Certainly not. If yeah. you've ever crossed that mad, it's not 57th and Louise, where I've taken my life in my hands to try and walk over to uh, Pomegranate Market or uh, mm -hmm. you know Jimmy John's or mm -hmm. Panera or what have mm -hmm. you from the KSO studio, because you never see anybody out there. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not necessarily the high traffic, but it's probably a higher traffic. Yeah, I, I so I'm thinking like Premier Center probably comes to mind, something around there. That could it, be certainly when there's events. How about and there's like twenty thousand people who probably cross a street there on a given night. That's true. How about up, like up to? somewhere on Phillips, like Tenth and Phillips, not Tenth and Minnesota. You certainly, yeah. Right. Many more pedestrians down there. Yeah. So this would work there too, because people are all over the place. Right. Yeah. I like this, Michael. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, one of its kind, one of a kind here in the city, right? Yes. First one. I just saw the lines painted. It's not really, I mean, they were just like etchings. They weren't the real lines yet. Yeah. I think the, I think the intent was to have it ready and functional today, but I haven't driven through there and or experienced it myself yet. So, uh, so my question is too, if I'm on my bike, yes, I'm a motor vehicle. Your vehicle. I'm also, um, I could just get off and walk across, right? Technically, I could become, oh, a, I could certainly, I could morph yeah. into a pedestrian. Well, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of the bicycle, right? Yep. You can get on and off of it and all of a sudden you're a pedestrian, right? So yeah, certainly. So I pull up there on my bike, the people are walking instead of waiting. I could, I, but I probably couldn't technically legally ride my bike through it. Right. Um, there, well, there are requirements for crossing crosswalks. Stop before entering a crosswalk, okay. even if you have the green light. All right. And so that's, that's probably the biggest one is that stopping before you enter the crosswalk. I could put my one foot on a pedal and then push myself slowly with my other foot. 
to not have to actually dismount the bicycle. Sure. Which is the this sort of the, the picture of laziness. Right. That's lazy how about, bike riding. How about you do a cyclocross dismount in the crosswalk and run across and, and then, then rebound on the other side? <laughs> oh, the potential for losing skin in that deal is very high. With an audience. With an audience. <laughs> Jeez. Uh I I did try and practice a little. Speaking of, cross is coming. Cross is way. coming. Cyclocross racing is just around the corner. And I was practicing some uh, uh, dismounts and mounts not so long ago. Okay. And I wasn't wearing cycling gear. I was just wearing a pair of shorts. Oh, no. Yeah. No. And, uh, People think spandex is just decoration, right? No, but, no, But on no, cyclocross, no. It's, spandex is highly, highly functional because of... I was, I'd had several uh, very successful remounts until my shorts caught just a little bit on the uh, saddle, the back of the saddle as yes. I was trying, as I was coming over. And uh, yeah, the bike, it was standard operating procedure, push the bike away from you so that you don't land on the pedal, <laughs> have that thing go into your ribs. Right. And then just tumble, roll down the hill. And there's video. No, unfortunately, oh. it was just witnessed by many people. Oh, okay. I was really hoping there was video because that's one of the greatest scenes of all time is to somebody yes. see somebody catch their leg on the back of their saddle and then just yard sale it. Yes, it's, it's good to be the first person with that video every season so that you're <laughs> the reminder for everybody, hey, wear the gear and practice. Um, Michael, I have a couple more questions for you as the smart cyclist. Uh, can you stick around for just a I moment? S- I can. Oh, that's awesome. We're going to come right back and continue our conversation here with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist on Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, on Weird Friends. And uh, Michael and I uh, spent a lot of time talking about uh, transportation, cycling, walking, just walkability, uh, the good life, the good life. Uh, and here's what I want to know, Michael. Do you know, in terms of the good life and in terms of transportation uh, and in terms of cycling ease in the community, when are they going to open the gates on the what is appears to be completely completed uh, spur off of the bike trail on the north side of Skunk Creek all the way to Dunham Park. Have you do you know any do you know the answer to that? I do not know the correct answer to that. Oh, I, I have heard know. a speculative answer. Uh, what is what is current speculation? What is the word on the street on that one, Michael? The thirteenth of August. Yes. Oh, I'm gone that day. I'm sorry. That's okay. But, but yeah, let's, let's talk about that, right? Let's so, speculate. So, so I've heard some frustration of, of users using that and sometimes finding it closed and sometimes finding it open, right? Right. But the deal is it's not open. Not technically. So just because you can ride it and just because, <laughs> just because there's social media that says, look, I'm on this. Woohoo. I, I it's not lesson. open. I learned that lesson the hard way. So, and so I'm in computer development, right? And we have this mm-hmm. joke that we do a timeline, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it turns out, 80% of the work is actually done in the last 10% of the timeline, right? Really? Sure. Because you get down <laughs> to the stupid uh, details of the, like, right? uh, so yeah, they're making the, they're finishing it. Let them finish, right? You build a house and you got the finisher in there and the finisher takes as long as all the rest of the work because 
he's doing the the molding and the right. and the handrail and all that stuff. That it takes looks so long, like right? it's almost so done. It looks done, but it's not open yet. And, and so, so I went so by there today, and there and this is what I suspect happens: mm-hmm. a worker goes <laughs> opens up the gates to go on the other side to work uh, to take care of various uh, details, uh, as you say, the eighty percent, and leaves the gate open because you know. What's the big deal, right? Right. And then uh, somebody comes along, Jason Mueller, and um, <laughs> takes a picture of it and says, hey, it's open. Woo-hoo! I wrote it. And everybody goes, oh, finally, good. Uh, and then they arrive. And closed, it's closed. <laughs> closed gate. So in this respect, although this was a project that was coming soon in 2017, now coming soon in 2018, is actually coming very soon. And we're very excited because everybody on the west side will be able to easy access to the middle of the city. Yeah going to be awesome including you including me i will use it uh and it just ex- it gives us another what couple miles of bike trail yeah urban urban yeah. multi-use Ex- path expands the loop if you want to expand the loop yeah. or gives you a kind of a lapping route if you want to do a lapping route you and... could just instead of like going out and back because it reconnect it makes like a triangle yeah because you can you if you say you were coming from the north you take a right, you go, you're at the country clubs there. Mm-hmm. You take a right, cross the bridge, you mm-hmm. go out to Dunham Park, cross the river, the skunk. Mm-hmm. You come back mm-hmm. on the other side up to 41st Street. Yep. You've just extended the bike trail loop without crossing yourself. Yep. Wow. That's pretty cool. It is. It's awesome. So we're up to like 35 miles, right? At, well, it depends on how many times you do a loop in there. Well, no, I mean, to, with all oh, the like, spurs. Oh, with all the spurs? I think it's got to be. Oh, 30. is that true? It's got to be close because you got the spur over at... Uh, by Falls Park. Well, let's, spillway. let's be careful with that speculation because you are, you are, so the loop itself is 19, right? I say 20. It rounds That's up. fine. And it then you're, up. and then you're almost doubling that in spur no. lengths. Well. 15? The one from. Uh, I'd be willing to go seven miles of spur. Let's think about this for a second. Okay. So from Legacy Park, way over there on West 12th Street. Yep. To 41st Street. That's a mile. That is not a mile for the 41st street. That's, oh, that's four and a okay. half miles. You're right. I'm, I'm legacy to Dunham is a mile. That's yep. what I thought you were going to say. No, I should no. have been listening. No. So that's yep. four and a half miles. So now, you. now we're up to 20, 25. Okay. And then you've got the spur over by the, uh, spillway. That's a mile, right? Yep. Two. The spur that is toward Brandon, but doesn't yeah, go very far. Two miles. A couple miles. Yep. So, yeah. so now we're six, up to 27. Seven. Yep. So now the, the, yep. the new spur. Okay, yep. Then you got Silver Creek Spur. Right. The one south from 57th by Western Avenue That's Farm a mile. Field. That's a mile. Yep. 28. I'll give you that. And you've got now the new spur, which is probably, so like 30. Okay. Is that fair? I am I will settle for 30. You do have a little spur there by the zoo. Got 31. That's, we- <laughs> 30, that's half. But let's add that to the spur that uh, leaves by um, the... By 49th and the bike trail, by that little bike repair stand, by that Elman yep. yep. uh, shelter. Then it's a mile. And that goes toward the, toward the Western Mall. So that's about a mile. Somebody needs to go out and actually mileage the entire thing. I, was, I heard somebody yesterday say, I have a wheel, one of those measuring oh, wheels. Oh, yeah. That seems like a lot of work. I'm not going to do that. That's but. a long way to go with uh, one of those We've wheels. got like a minute left. Uh, and he didn't get to the rides because there's two big things coming up. Uh, this weekend, Saturday is Pedal Far. F-A-R-R, Falls Area River Ride. Um, that's a little tour around the inside of Sioux Falls. And then Sunday is the Rugged Growler, which is a gravel bike ride race leaving from Canton, going through Newton Hills single track and around gravel south of Newton Hills. And I'm riding that one because cool. I love it. Uh, I, I'm, I was a weekend off. I'm actually, I think I'm here. So maybe I'll do it too. The uh, uh, 
here's the deal. Did I do the right dates? I don't know. 11th and 12th. It's the 11th and 12th, so it's not this week. Not this weekend. Okay, 11th and 12th. Week. I will be gone. Um, 11th and 12th, the Rugged Growler on Sunday, the Pedal Far on Saturday, which is fundraisers, both of them. So yep. they go to good causes. Get out there and have fun, people. Michael, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Greg Neitzert, City Councilor Greg Neitzert. Got a lot to talk to him about. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. A public service announcement with guitar. Know your rights. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. This Friday is the first Friday of the month, which means it's downtown first Friday, and it is a big one. Enjoy the art, entertainment, shopping, and food in downtown Sioux Falls. The block party starts at 5.30 p.m., and this is unusual because it is kind of the precursor for the whole Levitt Pavilion people, and Paul Thorne and the Blind Boys of Alabama are playing that block party. So there you go. That's free. Free admission to the Kirby Science Discovery Center and the Visual Arts Center at the Washington Pavilion. Street musicians on Phillips Avenue. Uh, Bridget Bowen. Animals at the Amphitheater at 11. Oh, man, that's a lot of details. You can get more at KSO.com. Coming up after the news and weather, momentarily with Mr. Dan Peters, we'll be talking with City Councilor Greg Neitzert. And uh, my list of questions is long, so it's good we have a full hour. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lowry Show. Information 1000 KSOO. I could never pretend that I don't love you. You could never pretend that I'm your man. That's exactly the way that I and I'm joined in studio today. Very happy to have back on the program City Councilor Greg Neitzert. Greg, thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks a lot. I'm glad to be here. Well, you're a very busy guy, so I'm I'm happy that you're uh, able to make a little time for us. Um, uh, we were, you know, we were talking before I get into the question. We were talking off air just now about just how much time it takes to be City Councilor. Um, are you surprised at this point? You've been on now for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. You're in the yep. middle of your first term. Yeah, I think two years or so now. Yeah. And are you are you surprised how much time it does take? Yes. I mean, before I came on the council, I'd gone to council meetings for years. I had a better sense of how long it would take than maybe others, but I'm still surprised. You could, frankly, if you wanted to make it a full-time gig based on how much time we spend sometimes. I'm not saying I'm advocating for that. I think no. there's a benefit in having part-time counselors and citizens so that anybody could serve and it's not a deal where you'd have to give up your job and you'd have career politicians but as a time commitment it can really ebb and flow there's some weeks in which it can be pretty consuming and this time of year there's so much development you know because we're in the middle of summer Mm -hmm. there's just so much going on so it it sometimes has a little bit of a lull maybe in the fall and things you know with the building cycles and things but and we don't want to have full-time counselors i don't think um that's not the way the charter's designed and uh, maybe uh, more resources for the council 
in terms of staff maybe or something like that going forward would help or just it's not going to matter? Yeah, you know, we have a great staff. I don't know that even adding more staff necessarily is. Well, I I will tell you that some of our staff is very overworked. You could possibly add another legislative guy, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But um, it it just is what it is. It's a big city. But but the the charter framers never intended for it to be something where it'd be a full-time gig. And I I don't think it should be. So it's just part of the deal. And other, not every counselor spends as much. This is not a, a value judgment at all. Other counselors don't have as much time or can't make it work uh, as much as others. But that's fair to say. Some people spend more time on it than others, right? Absolutely. And you know, the thing is you do this, the longer you do it, when you first come on the council, you're very excited. So you want to go to everything and everything you're invited to. Mm-hmm. You, you very quickly find out there's just not enough time. I mean, mm-hmm. you just cannot possibly do it. So you have to figure out, you got to pick your spots, figure out where you're going to delegate. What What is my sweet spot? Like for me, maybe it's zoning as an example. Mm-hmm. And I might focus on some of that. And I might let some of the other counselors work on other things and trust that they're working on that and take a look at it when it comes to me and, and know that you cannot go to every ribbon cutting you're invited to. And you just have to just prioritize. Mm-hmm. And you know that it will end at some point, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a sprint, but you enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, do you want to do it again? You're a long way from uh, having to run again, two years. But do you think that you probably will run again? Uh, absolutely, no decision, of course, until we get closer. But I love what I'm doing. I could certainly see that. Yeah. Uh, how are things going with Mayor Paul Tenhaken? He's been in a couple of months now since uh, mid-May, right? All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's your what's how do you uh, judge things going so far? How do you rate it? Uh, it has been very good so far. His communication has been excellent. And, and one thing I've really appreciated about him is he came in and he was very clear that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And that's one big part for me of wisdom is is, is knowing what you don't know and not assuming. And he's willing to ask questions, dig in, take feedback, uh, admit when he's wrong if necessary, course correct. But the communication has been amazing. We've had a, a lot of meetings. There's one-on-ones. There's, you know, we're meeting for coffee, that sort of thing. There's, you know, individual phone calls. It's it's really been incredible. And uh, beyond just the open communication, you feel like you said he'd like he'll admit when he's wrong. Uh, do you feel like there is a, a, a real listening process going on there in terms of listening to your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he's taking input from, from everybody. Nobody's being shut out and he's willing to, you know, course correct as he goes and, and trying to figure out and, you know, and, and just like, just like it was for me, it's his first foray into the political realm. Mm -hmm. And so you find out that, you know, as mayor, it's, you've got all of the political things to worry about and deal with. And one of the biggest things is trying to, frankly, um, herd eight, cats which is the city council which Mm -hmm. have different ideas and different things of what they may want and one may be happy with what you did and the other isn't and how do you try to you know nuance all of that and make sure that uh you know you you kind of you you figure out how you're gonna do your job and not overstep your bounds and 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 how do you work and keep that separation but also a relationship it's touchy don't get your feelings hurt yeah, absolutely. And and learning to um, separate, uh, you know, policy from feelings that we should be able to agree without being disagreeable. And he's been wonder, wonderful at that so far. So and I expect that to continue. There'll, I shouldn't, there'll so. be some bad days. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, there will be something in which there will be some, you know, some and, and, and you know, and, and that happens. Uh, we're here with City Councilor Greg Neitzert, and we're going to come right back after a short break and get right into the issue of the day or yesterday and today, which is the ongoing, the 
forging ahead with the Village on the River project, and we'll talk more about that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And graves, daddy's little empire built by hands and built by slaves. From the sky we look so organized and brave. 4.17 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And uh, we have... City Councilor Greg Knightzer in the studio. We were talking about, uh, you know, the 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 uh, hours and labor that it takes to be a city councilor, and we we thank you for your service, Greg. Thank you. I love it. Uh, public service is a great calling, and as a part-time city councilor, it doesn't doesn't pay the bills, does it? Uh, no, but it's not about the money. It's it, there's experiences I've had that I never would have had, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, talking about experiences, one of the things you get caught up in is a lot of uh, high-level city controversies and challenges, and the latest of which was the uh, ongoing issue regarding the Village on the River project, which is the public-private partnership downtown, $50 million hotel and parking ramp. Uh, and there was a lot of controversy before it, be, you know, when it coming up to it in terms of what we were going to do. I wouldn't call it controversy. a lot of discussion, right? Yeah, and, that's fair. And... Uh, with the collapse of the Copper Lounge, which is an unrelated project, but led to uh, a lot of revelations about the uh, legacy development and Elk Creek construction. Um, Mayor held a press conference yesterday, says we're going forward. Uh, Jeff Lamont is the guarantor on this project. Everything's fine, right? It's all good? Well, I don't know that everything is fine. I mean, let's, let's all be honest here. The optics stink. I mean, we, we all have to admit that. The optics stink. But what the reason why I supported the project, and I still do, is because when you dig into the contract and you look at the project, the city is protected. A lot of this side stuff is unfortunate, and it's obviously the things that happened are, are a tragedy. But it's really when you dig in the details and you look at what is in the contract to protect the city that you get the nuance and you get past all of these talking points about gold-plated ramps and... and uh, and, uh, um, you know, disclosing investors and, and, and all of this, frankly, nonsense. It's a fabulous project. It's to be a game changer downtown. We're now talking 15 stories, I think, in mm-hmm. total. Um, it's the largest, know, be the tallest building in South Dakota. Absolutely. By a yep. ways. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in who we have on board. And I am incredibly thankful that the administration held the press conference they did. I will tell you that um, one thing that frustrated me about the previous administration is it seemed like they got it through and then they went under their desks and they hid under there until the administration was over and they left us out there to defend it. You know, they left people like me out there who supported it, mm-hmm. but they should have been out there talking about it and telling people why this is different, why this is not the Copper Lounge, why this is not the same entity. It, we're, my first question uh, regarding uh, legacy is, so Norm Drake is still a, a minority investor uh, uh, in this project, uh, even though Jeff Lamont has the majority shareholder correct i don't i may use the wrong terms but jeff has a majority of it drake has as less than 10 percent, is what lamont said yesterday um there's a third investor that has a small part that they wouldn't reveal uh but lamont said he didn't know that there were any connections to the city whatsoever that's all fine and good is there do you believe that the city should sever all ties with legacy going forward um I don't know the degree to which you could get 
legacy out of this development entirely because of the situation. But should we cut all ties with legacy development going forward? No. Why? Potentially in the future we could talk about it, but I I think we all need to be very clear. While it's popular to pile on legacy, mm-hmm. we need to be very clear and ma- very mature about the fact that legacy has not been directly implicated. Neither has Norm Drake. We mm-hmm. do not know what happened at that building. Mm-hmm. Legacy is an ongoing concern. They still are doing development. They're doing a lot of major projects. They have done a lot of major projects in the city. And I would be incredibly careful about going out there and trashing a company that is still in business. But is under... The, the, the principles of this company are under criminal investigation by the Department of Justice. We know that. We don't know that there'll be any charges. We don't know anything. We, we don't do. know what it's about. Mm-hmm. But we know there is a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice regarding the collapse of the Copper Lounge. Yep. And I'm waiting to see what will happen right. with that. And they filed again another 90-day you know, the investigation continues, and we'll see what happens with that. Regardless of what happens, message, we are protected. Yeah, but I, the city is protected on the village on the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, the What I'm hearing from you is you're going to reserve judgment to some degree to wait to see what happens with that investigation? Or is that I'm overstating your position? No, I, I think that's fair. I, I None of us knows who did what in that particular deal. We all know in the in the development world, you create LLCs for all kinds of different projects. That's just what you do. Mm-hmm. It's not nefarious. It's not, I mean, again, this is probably unpopular, but that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You do it for legal liability protection. Mm-hmm. You know, you do, do you create different LLCs for all kinds of different buildings because you have different investors and you don't want something that if you invest in one building over here, you don't want to have the same LLC in a building over somewhere else you're not invested in because if something goes wrong in that building, you may find yourself liable. So a development company is creating LLCs all over the place mm-hmm. in the normal course of business. That's just the way it is. It's true, though, that we now know and didn't know before because of the bankruptcy filing of Hultgren Construction that, in fact, the officers of those two companies were the same, right? Yeah, absolutely. We do know that now because of and the we bankruptcy didn't know, filing. And we did not know that before. Yeah, and, I, and I'll be completely honest. This is... um. I, I've said this to a few people in the media at the local newspaper. Mm -hmm. For them, this is a gift that keeps on giving. It's just a dribble, dribble, dribble Mm -hmm. of one revelation after another. But it doesn't... It's also investigative journalism. That's the way it works. Absolutely. And I'm not faulting them for that. No, absolutely. It's not a disparagement to them. It's Mm -hmm. just an acknowledgement that obviously there's just a lot of information and they're doing a a lot of good work digging and digging and they should continue digging. That's what their job is, is to be the watchdog. But it does not change the fact of what the contract stipulates and the protections I know and I believe that we have in place and that this will be a fabulous project that is going to be done largely by Lamont. And it was going to be sold off anyway, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so it's still going to be a fabulous project. I hate the optics. I hate some of the things that's going on with it that's marring what should be a wonderful project. Are you bothered at all by uh, Darren Ketchum taking a job with Legacy uh, immediately after putting together the deal? Yes, I am. I I was surprised by that. I mean, so if you leave the city, I I, I guess as a as a city officer, let's call it, he was a director. I you know apparently you can do that mm-hmm. now. I I guess I would have wished that people had thought about what the optics of that would look like because it looks. I mean, it could certainly appear as a quid pro quo or some sort of... It doesn't look good. I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. The There are, um, in many government organizations, 
at least waiting periods mm-hmm. in which you would have to not take a job with a company you had done business with until say a year. Um, do you, does the city need some sort of ethical guidelines for uh, behavior, at least at the director level? Yeah. And I, th- I think we, well, I mean, Obviously, I, I believe we do. We certainly do as city councilors have many ethical guidelines, but maybe this is a hole that we could look at at patching, as it were. It's kind of a, a classic. It's so. a classic example to me about why these things are in place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's the same reason why I, I'm not supposed to and I cannot invest in projects of which I'm voting for. And, uh, you know, I can't go work for the city for a year after or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. after I'm a counselor or however all those rules work. So obviously as a public official that you're not going to benefit either now or directly in the future from something that you worked on. It doesn't. Now, of course, we were told that, you know, you won't be working on this project, but Again, it, that doesn't it, matter. Appearance is, and how are you supposed to believe them? They're a private company. I mean, they, well, we certainly can't verify that. Yeah. I mean, we can't audit that. So. They shouldn't have to tell you. But as a public official, it's upon you to have proper behavior, not the private company. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So it was, it, it was bothersome. We're going to come right back and talk more with Greg Neitzer, city councilor. Uh, I think we'll probably continue this conversation just a little bit because I have a few more questions, and I think you all do too. Uh, it's the news and weather next with Mr. Dan Peters, then we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. It's 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we've got Greg Neitzer in studio. Of course, Greg is... City Councilor from the Northwest District. I have that right, don't I? You are correct, and we are not in the mountain time zone. Central. Yes, we are in the central time zone. Thankfully, uh, my friends out in the mountain time zone who are listening, they didn't even notice. They're like, you know, that's right. Um, We've been talking about the Village on the River project and uh, the mayor's uh, decision, the the administration's decision to go forward with that. Uh, Obviously, um, you've been watching from... uh, not the outside, but as part of the city government, um, how do how do I say this? So you support the the process. You support the project, right? Do you think that um, the the parking ramp part of it? Okay, going back to the original debate, and this keeps coming back up, that the parking ramp part of it is too expensive for the city. Should we have paid less? And the developers paid more. That's the position of uh, some some folks out there. Teresa Staley, Scott Harris, some of the different people who follow this stuff, um, which is a legitimate question to ask. Is the parking ramp too expensive? Yeah, very fair question. The answer is no when you look at everything all in. The, the, the calculation of the price per stall has to do with the actual construction. And the total all-in cost includes a lot of different things, architectural fees, bonding fees, all of those other things. And so the division, you have to be dividing the right numbers. And there's a certain range of what, you know, generally a ramp should cost, you know, per space. Now that's just a, it's kind of a, a, you know, a a ballpark. It's kind of like if you're buying a house and somebody says, you, yeah, it goes, you know, a new house will cost you 150 a foot or whatever. Well, I mean, that, that may be the average, but there's a lot of different things that might go into that. You may add things or take things out or whatever. But when you look at the numbers, it really comes out that it's it's in line. I mean, when when people say it's 40000 per space or whatever was being bantered about, mm-hmm. they were taking the all-in cost 
everything included and dividing that by the number of spaces. And then when you go look at what um, Walker Parking Consultants and some of them look at, they're taking all of that stuff out of there and all they're getting down to is essentially the construction cost. So you're comparing apples to oranges. Would the parking ramp of similar size cost the same amount of money on that space without the hotels? Yeah, I believe so because we had to do, um, no matter what, we were going to have to do quite a bit of uh, drilling to get into to get the proper footings with uh, the rock that's down below. And uh, they are paying. We, they tried their best, if you look at the contract, to try to apportion the costs. You know, and it, it's even everything down to the elevators and mm-hmm. things like that. Like, who's going to pay for what portion of the elevator going up the first five floors and then every floor after that? And so I think it was pretty fairly apportioned. And the, va- and the property will have taxable value now because it has private property on it. Whereas if it was just a public parking ramp, it would not. Yeah, correct. So if we just built a parking ramp, it would be owned by the city, and we would have zero property tax and zero sales tax. The big win here is that you have a private development on top, which means you'll have all of the sales tax generated, and you'll have an enormous amount of property tax when you're talking about on the portion that is the private part, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. You know, So like if it's a $30 million hotel above it, as an example, that will be all property tax that we'll be getting into perpetuity, plus all the commercial sales tax. I think Teresa Staley has said that that it's being, and I don't mean to misquote Teresa here, and you can tell me if I do, but that uh, we are maybe tapping too much the uh, money from parking fees and that everybody that parks downtown is going to have to pay more to build this ramp. Is that, uh, am I exaggerating her position on this well i don't want to put words in her mouth but i, I think something to that effect yeah. now what that really what that really digs into is who should be paying for the parking ramp and the parking uh ramp and the parking enter is an enterprise right meaning so, meaning it exists on its own it's funded on its own the maintenance comes out of that right it's basically a, a small little entity within the city budget yep all of the, all of its revenues come from parking and all of the expenses it pays go to, go to parking. And we have multiple enterprises in the city. You know, mm-hmm. We have the water, we have the sewer, we have mm-hmm. the landfill, we have the parking. And so what it really comes down to is that the users are paying for it. So um, we in the rate model, we've got it in there that we can pay for it. Now, you'll probably see rate increases over the years simply from just normal inflationary pressures. But, but parking is not free no matter where you park. No, absolutely. And downtown, parking is at a premium. You know, we have we have all these people coming downtown, and we have a small amount of parking spots. Mm-hmm. So you have to—it's a supply and demand issue. We can lower parking rates if you want, but don't be surprised when people are staying even longer in the parking spaces, and you're having a problem finding a space. You have to find that equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's people that will say, "I I don't I never go downtown. I don't use a ramp. Why should I have to pay for it?" Mm-hmm. So w- what seems better to you? Do you want people who are going downtown and paying the leases on the ramp mm-hmm. and paying the, paying in the parking meters to pay for parking downtown, or do you want to take it out of general sales tax from maybe a little old lady who never who says, "I never go downtown." Well, and I would rather it. do it to the enterprise and people who don't come downtown, don't pay any attention when they say, "Why am I paying for it?" You're not paying for it. If you're not coming downtown and parking and paying, putting money in the meter, you're not paying for parking. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of having the enterprise fund. We could move it over to the sales tax, I, I suppose, if you'd like to, but then people that don't use it And that's it what Teresa will not said, pay. that maybe some of this money should come out of second penny sales tax because that was intended for infrastructure when it was put in. And now it gets used for all kinds of stuff. Sure, that, that's fair. And there are structural things that are in there that predate us. For example, the event center bonding. Mm-hmm. Now we can debate whether or not that should have been in there, but it's in there now. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we can't stop paying the bill. 
I mean, we're we're no, going to pay the you're bill. Committed to it. So we're we're committed to it. So um, but again, I mean, so yeah, obviously it's infrastructure. You could move it over, but there are fixed payments we have, like the event center mm-hmm. and the admin building. So for example, let's say we took the million or you know whatever it is payment that we have to make on the uh, parking ramp. I'm using round numbers. Right. We move that over to the second penny. We certainly could do that, but that means something has to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to find the money, and what's going to probably go based on what the biggest part of the second penny is going to be, it's probably going to be roads or something else. So, I mean, something would have to give. It so. still does pay for roads, but it also has been expanded to pay for some other things. Absolutely. From when it was put mm-hmm. in in 1980, whenever that yeah. was, when Loyola Hunking got it passed, right? Yeah. That's how far back it goes. And so things have changed. Yeah, uh, as, as with anything, when you adopt these things, there's drift over time. And it is it is unfortunate, the original intent. You know, it's always promised it's going to be this, and now it's that. And so... Um, going back to the the issue with the conflicts here, um, I don't want to let this get away. We talked about Darren Ketchum going to work for Legacy right away. Do you do you believe that? Do you think Mayor Huther knew the relationships between those two companies and the ownership structure, and that he just didn't say anything, or do you think that he just didn't know? Well, I. I, I will say I don't know. I mean, I asked questions. I was told what I was told. I, I really, really hope not. But I I mean, it's very hard for me to accuse people of something when I don't know. I will just say this. Mayor Huther was very engaged in his administration. So I would, f- whatever the administration as a whole knew, or let's say maybe Darren Ketchum mm-hmm. or the or community development, I find it inconceivable that the mayor wouldn't have also known whatever it is that they knew because he had a pulse on everything and he, I don't you know, maybe the word is micromanage, but, you know, he was very involved in the administration and everything in, in the administration. So, gosh, I hope not. Do you think we need to reform the process to, um, if we were to do something on this scale? Again? I mean, it was an RFQ, not an RFP, and mm-hmm. they're different processes, but there's a commonality in that we never really know when we partner with people who owns the company. So, I mean, the RFQ and the RFP process, I I think taking a fresh look, I believe in the process in general, but I think there's things that we could look at. I mean, I'm I'm even open to, we could, why not, we could try an RFP and say every proposal is going to be public and we could find out. I mean, the worst that happens is that we don't get proposals or we don't get enough when we find out whether or not it has a chilling effect or not. I don't know. But who's going to, what company is going to walk away from money? It would be, it would shock me. And I know what you're saying. And that would be really interesting uh, experiment. Just do one where it's all open and see who, now there might be some collusion out there because I'm sure there are folks who don't want it that way. But I can't believe that a construction company or a developer would say, you know, I'm going to pass up that uh, $50 million project or 20 or $10 million project because I don't want to talk about who owns a company. Well, you know, I, the, the, thing, the thing that I struggle with when people talk about, you know, we, we need to know who owns a company and we should be disclosing the investors. The city does business with all kinds of companies on various different things. Mm-hmm. Right out by where I live, we're doing a $12 million project. That's a TLS road project. Mm-hmm. It's not an RFP. It's not a construction manager at risk. It's just a normally bid out project. Mm-hmm. Somebody is getting $12 million, $12 million of tax money to build a road for us. We know who bid on it you know, what asphalt company and we know, you know, we know who won the, won the project. I have no clue who the investors are, nor do the city. 
for all I know, you know, there could be a legacy could be invested in it or any other company could be in it or any other person or there could be some, you know, possi- I, I don't know. We don't know. And we never we don't ask for that. I'm not entirely sure why this is different. I mean, maybe we do we need to disclose every investor of every person that does business with the city? Do we need to disclose the, you know, all of the investors in the paper company that sells us paper? I, you know, I, I'm not sure at what point it ends. So I, we know the company, we all, we have ethical obligations as city councilors and as the mayor not to be investing. And I'm totally open book, audit me, that's fine. They're ethical, but they're not in ordinance. They're not uh, required. Do you think there should be some uh, required reporting by uh, say uh, everybody above the director. We talked a little bit about this earlier. Everybody sure. above the director level, the council, in terms of any potential investment that you have done that could be conflicted with your job. Yeah, absolutely. If there's some way in which we could do it, and I'm not sure exactly how that would work. Me I mean, either. do we have a third party, uh, you know, audit our finances? Do we sign something on penalty of perjury? Or I, I'm not sure how exactly that would work, where we make some sort of a statement that we are not invested. And in. again, I. I'm even willing to, you know, I'm not necessarily going to release all of my financial no. information to the world, but um, in the right venue, I have nothing to hide. If you want to take a look and you want to verify, or we, maybe we have a third party who would go in and look at the books of, you know, some agreed upon party. I'm not sure how that would work. Right. But at some point, you have to take somebody's word until they break it. Yeah. I mean, at, at, some, at some point you do. I'm not sure how exactly we do it unless we're doing forensic, you know, analysis mm-hmm. of every single contract and every every investor. And, and the thing is, as you know, in South Dakota, I can create all kinds of, not yeah. me personally, but I can, you know, you can create an LLC and it's we cheap. don't know who's behind it. it with Based on state law, you can, there's a lot of ways in which you can obvi- obfuscate who the, who's behind an entity. We're going to be right back and uh, finish up our conversation here with Greg Neitzert, city councilor from the Northwest District. And uh, we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 450 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And in the few minutes we have left here with City Councilor Greg Neitzert, uh, we're going to try and talk about something other than the building. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds great. Um, uh, Can we get some more traffic calming? We're going back to the things I care about. Transportation. So uh, there have been... um, a bunch of there's there's been a recent effort to paint lines, okay, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, on some streets that gives the sense of narrowing and makes people slow down. Um, they did it on Phillips Avenue. Um, they're doing some things over on 15th Street. Can we is is that something we can expect to see more of in this community in terms of just controlling some of the high speeds that are driven on streets that shouldn't be high speed streets? Absolutely. And I've become quite an advocate of that. And I've been talking to traffic engineering and our traffic engineer, uh, Heath Hoftizer, has been uh, very good in that particular capacity. And uh, yeah, it, it's been something of a, an education for me as I got on the council and finding out that um, people will drive the way that the road feels. Mm-hmm. You build an 80 foot or a 100 foot right of way. Don't be surprised when people are driving 55 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. One of the things I've been asking about is how could we maybe do collectors differently, collectors being the roads that take you into the neighborhoods? Yes, They're 80 huge. feet wide, and one of the complaints I get from people all the time is people are driving so fast down the road in front of my house, I'm, I'm scared for my children. Well, we've got these 80-foot right-of-ways, these really wide roads, 
and then we're surprised when people are speeding down them and we're having to put up the speed sign. So I'm, I, I'm asking, what can we do differently? And one of those things is traffic calming. You paint, you simply paint those lines. It makes the lanes feel narrower. It slows people down. It's a very simple thing that we can do in a lot of areas. And people think they're bike lanes sometimes. They're not. They're not. Now I will ride over there, you know. But they're very well. It could be cars parked there too. And when that happens, I got to go around the car. So it's not necessarily a bike lane, but it just, it, it is such a simple thing. And like you, I've learned a lot about it recently. Thanks in part to Zach DeBoer, who was a, a city council candidate and cares deeply about these issues. And uh, I've noticed them in a few places. I'm just hoping we're going to see them in a lot more places. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, we'll continue to do it. Uh, we're always targeting areas. And I've learned a lot from uh, strong towns. Yes. And that's something that yes. Zach DeBoer uh, turned me on to. And uh, I think Michael Christensen is probably, I believe he's a big fan of strong towns as yep. well. There's just so many things that you can do that are so simple. You know that, and, and I think it's there's just that collision that we have of there's some people that want to get there right now and shaving five seconds off a commute is worthwhile. And then there's some people that want to look at how do we do more of a, I don't know if it's complete streets or multimodal, mm-hmm. whatever you wish to call it, where we just say, you know, we need to try to be more pedestrian friendly. And we, you know, do we really need to get there? And okay, we, we need to decide which are going to be roads and which are going to be streets. You know, which are going to be the high capacity, really quick driving roads mm-hmm. or, you know, and then and then the streets where we're going to have very calm and try to you don't need to drive 40 miles an hour down the residential street. No. And that's what so, people do. It's easy do. to do. I mean, it's when you're like you say, we have an 80 foot wide street. It's just easy. And and I will tell you, the thing is, is that it's it's amplified in the new developments because you it's you'll have three car garages. And so mm-hmm. you typically will have one. Another thing I learned, I used to be annoyed by people parked on the street. Mm-hmm. Now I actually like it. Because yeah. it's a natural traffic calmer. You get cars up and down the streets. But nobody tr- parks on the street anymore because they got three garages. But in yeah, out in the developments where, you yeah. know, like where I live, they're all parked in their garages. So this feels even wider. Yeah. Greg Neitzert, he is the city councilor from the Northwest District, and we always like having Greg on. Uh, it's been too long. You have to come back sooner. Yeah. Invite me anytime. Thank you very much. Thanks. We're going to come right back and tell you what's coming up tomorrow. Surprise, it's another city councilor. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, as I said uh, earlier, this is First Friday tomorrow downtown. It's also the weekend of the Sioux River Folk Festival at Newton Hills Park. Three days of music, food, beverages, and more presented by South Dakota Friends of Traditional Music. It is going to be a fun weekend. I'm hoping to get down there for a little bit. More details on this event, go to our calendar at KSO.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, I promised another city councilor. In fact, it is Janet Brecky making her first appearance on the program since winning election in May. And the Boone Man makes a special... Friday appearance on Weird Friends. You're going to want to hear that. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you all tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.